Welcome to another episode of Harvest Series, a podcast following a four-day experience in Kaplankaya on the southwestern Asian coast of Turkey, filled with fascinating talks and workshops to harvest knowledge and nurture the planet. An event produced by Athena Advisors and Capital Partners. For me, I, I, I think eventually is something that can benefit mankind. I mean, studies have shown that it creates more compassion. They've given it to prisoners, it lowers the violence. You become a kinder, more, you know, better human being. I think anyone's going on a date should ask their partner if they've done mushrooms <laughs> or not. Maybe they become a better partner. You want to know if they're going to be a kind human being. I'm Rose, a French journalist based in Barcelona. Welcome to a special edition recorded during Harvest in London, featuring the talented filmmaker Louis Schwartzberg. Louis is an award-winning movie director known for celebrating life and revealing the mysteries and wisdom of nature, people and places. In today's episode, we'll take a closer look at the fascinating world of visual healing, an immersive health and wellness program designed by Louis to reduce stress and anxiety. But that's not all. We'll also circle back to the fantastic fungi, diving into Louis' passion for mushrooms and their potential in mental health treatments. Stay tuned for an insightful conversation filled with nature, wellness, and the magic of mushrooms. Hello, Louis. Great to be here with you. Yeah, great to be with you this yeah. time uh, in London. Thanks for being here. So last time we were in uh, Kaplankaya, you are a nature lover and we are in London. How do you feel in cities? Oh, wow. <laughs> I like the energy of the city, but only for two or three days. I love the fact that in a way a city is like a microcosm of like a coral reef in a way. I mean, not one person builds a city. So it's a miracle that people come together, which is nature, right? Yes. It's yeah, like a yeah. giant ant colony or a coral reef. I admire it from a biological point of view. Interesting. That it is built, it is as natural as anything else in nature. Was it a bit more noisy? Yeah, but it's, it's got energy that comes in, energy comes out, people flush the toilet, everything goes out. Um, it works like any other biological organism. So if you look at it from that perspective, you can look at it with a lot of okay. admiration and gratitude. Yeah. Uh, how do you cultivate your appreciation of uh, beauty in uh, big urban cities? Oh, I, every time I see graffiti, I see beauty. Every time I see a crack in the sidewalk, I see beauty. Okay. So as a filmmaker, photographer, I love going on a walk and seeing what inspires me. And I love that voyage of discovery of not knowing what's going to turn me on. It could be anything. It could be a fire hydrant. It could be a splash of paint on a wall. If it engages you know, me and it touches my soul, Then I also assume it touches everybody's soul because then it becomes universal energy. I was just wanted to ask you how your deep connection to nature, but maybe more in general of uh, observation of uh, nature, uh, has influenced your personal sense of uh, well-being. Yeah, well, I think that you know nature's energy is medicine, and when you look at the patterns and rhythms of nature, perhaps we're connecting with the patterns and rhythms that are inside of us, inside of every cell of our body. Yeah. Because whether you go to the beach and see the patterns on the sand or you go to Mars, it's all the same. And I think the same thing is happening inside of our body. And so when you see it, 
it's an affirmation of life's energy and that you want to be part of life's energy, which is to be alive and to go flourish and to, you know, connect and to make love. You want to do all of those things. These are beautiful reminders that you want to be moving forward and not being stagnant. So, Louis, do you manage uh, to disconnect from your job of a movie maker? Or are you always, like, trying to, when you see something, oh, that would make a good shot? And, uh... It's a great question. I think I do both. I think that I'm always thinking, if I had a camera, where it would be and how I would shoot it. But what it does, it's really, I think, put me on a, a practice of being observant. Yeah. In other words, if I'm noticing that the leaves are backlit or there's a reflection on the sidewalk, it's a great practice to see beauty everywhere you go. And so I recommend that for anybody, if they're a filmmaker or not a filmmaker, to always be looking for where there is beauty. And you can find it in the city. You know, you can find it in nature. You can find it anywhere. So a car is nature? Completely. Okay. It's yeah. just a form yeah. of transportation yeah. that, again, is using energy. I mean, it's a little bit unnatural in that it's not as efficient as it can be. In nature, we never waste a molecule. And we're learning because of environmental degradation that some of the tools we've created don't work as well as they could. But if we become smart and become more energy efficient and more eco-friendly and eco-conscious, it can be in harmony with nature. It's okay like to spray mosquitoes. No, because if it's a pesticide, it's going to end up, you know, poisoning the environment and perhaps poisoning yourself. If the mosquito is really bugging you, it's fine to kill it. I don't have a problem with that at all. Okay, you're um, an extremist. Okay. Because mosquitoes bug me too. I mean, you know what's weird? Every time they come out, they come out at magic hour, right? Yeah. Twilight, yeah. sunrise, sunset, which is the perfect time to film. And I've asked myself this question. Yeah. Why did the universe or God create mosquitoes? And especially when the lighting is most beautiful. And I think the reason is it's a reminder that we're mortal. That we have to keep our wits about us. Because otherwise I'd probably take my clothes off and run around like a little nymph or an angel. You know, <laughs> that this is heaven on earth. Yeah. Everything is beautiful. But the reality is I'm still a human being in a body. I need to eat. I need to get water. I need to find my car. I need to do things after I get the shot. And the mosquitoes remind me that I'm mortal. We've just been immersed in the wonders of nature and the city with Louis Schwartzberg. And now we're going to explore another dimension, visual healing. Louis' visual healing program showcases the therapeutic power of his mesmerizing moving art collection. So, let's discuss the scientific and medical benefits of watching nature behind a screen now. Can you tell me more about uh, your project of uh, visual healing? Uh, how it works and if there are some um, scientific principles or studies that support the effectiveness of uh, visual healing. So I had a series on Netflix, which actually I've just put onto, move, onto the Louis channel, but the Moving Arts series, I've had hundreds of comments from people who said it helped me put my children to bed at night, um, children with autism, teenagers who were suicidal, 
stress, anxiety, post-op, pre-op, end-of-life anxiety, hundreds of comments where the program is music and imagery with no words. And so without me even coming up with a suggestion or a proclamation, hey, this is you know visual healing and it's good for you, people on their own use it as a practice and they'll watch the same episode every day. Okay. Based on that, I thought, let's bring it into healthcare. So we've instituted it like at the Jacobs Medical Center in La Jolla in San Diego and um, dialysis treatments now at UCLA. And what's really great is four days ago, we just got a report that the combination of my imagery with psilocybin at the Pacific Neuroscience Institute in Santa Monica, they did a clinical trial to treat alcohol addiction. And it showed that the patients who watched my video as they came on to psilocybin ended up with better results than the patients who only did psilocybin by itself. So again, nature's imagery is healing. Yeah. And when you think about it even deeper, why is it that we have healing modalities for every sensory receptor except vision? You've got massage for touch, we have music for hearing, aromatherapy for smell, healthy food for taste. Vision is the most important sensory receptor you have. 80% of the data that you receive comes into your eyes. And the retina isn't really your eye, it's really an extension of the brain because it takes light energy, turns it into an electrical impulse that then goes to the brain. Wow, okay. So you're getting an immediate feed of energy based on light hitting your eyes. What type of images are the best to show? Is it like nature or shapes or? I think it's nature because the shapes in nature are universal. You could say they're sacred. People refer to a sacred geometry, but it's, definitely healing and there's a reason for it one is you think about the fact that spirals and um you know are the most efficient way for energy to be you know transmitted nature over hundreds of billions of years has figured out the most efficient way to conserve and transfer energy so i believe if you look at these rhythms and patterns you are looking at what is the most efficient way to Um, to be alive. You know, networks, spirals, these are all sacred patterns. There's no right angles in nature. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Yeah. So if you look at these, you know, shapes and patterns, I think they're healing. Is it, um, does it relate well with other uh, holistic approaches like mindfulness, meditation, or energy healing? Have you tested like the completely holistic approach with the visual healing? I think it's brand new. Yeah. to incorporate visual healing into these other practices, but I think they would be a great fit. I mean, obviously, I use music with my imagery. I use sound effects that yeah. are nature. You'd want to be perhaps in a comfortable bed with vibrations that could be in sync with the music. We have a lot to invent and a lot to discover in this area where we can combine sensory receptors that trigger emotional responses that are healing. Yeah. And Louis, are there people um, for whom it's not advised, have you noticed, to be... I I can't imagine it being bad for anybody. You are nature. You're looking in the mirror when you see nature's imagery. Although excessive screen time, particularly for children, is um, detrimental to their well-being. You don't want to be looking at a digital screen all day long, obviously. 
If you do, it should be high resolution, so you're not straining your eyes. Okay. But the content, if it inspires you, I mean, look, not everybody in the world can go to Machu Picchu or to Tahiti or to Africa. Think of all the people that are marginalized, people that are never going to be able to afford, have the time or the health to see sacred places. And these sacred places are disappearing because of ecotourism and the degradation of the environment. They're not going to be around forever. So what I feel that is important, I'm recording these in high resolution so that, God forbid, worst case scenario, these places are not going to be around forever. So the reason why they call them sacred places is because they are. It's not me giving it that name. Places like Yosemite or Machu Picchu, you know, are Angkor Wat. I mean, these are all places that are extraordinarily spiritual. But if you go to these places today, you may not have a spiritual experience because it's overrun by commercial tourism. I hate to say yeah. that, but it's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So the shots that I get, I would almost say, are different, if not better, than what you would get if you're there in reality. Because I got rid of all the people, either by <laughs> digitally painting them out or by paying to get in there earlier or by doing whatever it takes to get people out of the way <laughs> in front of the camera yeah. so that I can get a beautiful time-lapse shot of fog rolling into a valley in all these places. It is a more heightened experience. Yeah. And even if you have the money, the time to be able to go to these places, the fact that you can snap your finger and go there in an instant in your home. You know, I just had a really you know stressful day at work. I need to go to Tahiti. <laughs> there you go. Bingo, you're there. And you can connect with that rhythm and pattern that will heal you. You're talking about connection. What's your view of um, people now um, connecting a lot on uh, social media and uh, having the feeling they're sharing, like lots of vulnerabilities yeah. or their life, but without touching someone or talking to someone for real? What's your view on that? Is it like just a bonus or... Uh, and kind of an isolation in a way. I think it's more isolation. Unfortunately, it has, I think, a negative impact. We've got more teenage suicides now than ever in history. Like, why is that happening? You can't have 100 friends. You can't have 1,000 friends. If you're lucky, you can have three or four good friends, maybe a dozen. And so there is a negative downside to social media. You can't live your life by looking at your phone and always feel compelled that you're missing out on something. So when I talk about the benefit of a digital screen, I'm talking about a large 4K TV that you yeah. can watch at home when the time is right to zone out or to go to exotic and beautiful places. I would not recommend necessarily watching my work on a phone. If you have to in between meetings and you need a two minute pickup, I mean, that's fine. But I don't want anybody watching it for a half hour or an hour. That would be ridiculous. And I, I think it's unfortunate that young people today who naturally have peer pressure, who naturally want to be accepted by their you know, friends, have become addicted to this technology, which has spent billions of dollars to figure out how to keep you addicted. And it's all for one purpose, which is to make money yeah. and to sell products. Now we are transitioning from the power of visual healing 
to the enchanting realm of mushrooms. During harvest event in London, Louis captivated us with mesmerizing images of fungi, blending nature's wonders with his time-lapse mastery. Louis' passion for mushrooms, portrayed in the movie Fantastic Fungi, brings us full circle to the magic of nature. Let's now delve into the world of mushrooms, including psilocybin, a naturally occurring psychedelic compound found in certain varieties of fungi. Well, fungi can do a lot of things, which is, you know, mushrooms. They can heal the planet, they can heal your body, and they can shift your consciousness. So all three of those are really important. Um, mycelium can, you know, it stores carbon underground. 70% of the CO2 in the atmosphere goes into plants and trees, into the roots, and is stored in a mycelial network under the ground. Perhaps the greatest natural solution for climate change. Wow. Wow, um, yeah. The fact that... Mushrooms can, you know, like lion's mane is good for cognitive repair, tricky tail for immunity, uh, cordyceps for energy, and definitely psilocybin can help people with, you know, mental distress. Um, it's be able to have, you know, one session in with psilocybin versus 20 years of therapy. It's a miracle. I mean, why did nature create a molecule that can, you know, help you see the issues that you're dealing with in a positive way versus, you know, taking antidepressants for 20 years and having no results at all. So it's the power of mushroom. When did you fall in love with, uh, yeah. with the mushrooms? I fell in love with mushrooms in college where I probably, you know, took a you know, psilocybin trip. And it certainly probably affected all my filmmaking because I'm bored with the human vision. I don't shoot things at 24 frames per second yeah. very often. That's why I fell in love with time-lapse, because I want to show people what does the world look like unfiltered from a flower's point of view? What does the world look like from a hummingbird's point of view? Our point of view is very narrow, yeah. right? And this whole idea of opening up your mind, in a way I use the camera as a time-travel machine, because all I have to do is change the frame rate, and rather than talk about it, I can show you the perception of other organisms on this planet that have different metabolic rates that live longer or shorter and see things and experience life differently. Yeah. I mean, so that's a mind blower. Yeah. That's funny because for uh, a lot of people, mushrooms <clears throat> are those uh, people who haven't watched a movie. It's like a disgusting thing in the kitchen or <laughs> <laughs> that's a sign of, um, for a housewife, of the deterioration. Like, yeah, but, but ask yourself. It could be, instead of looking at it as the end of life, where things break down, which is important, if we have to recycle all these, you know, organic matter for new life to come up. Maybe it's the beginning of life. If you don't have the basic molecules to feed a plant the nutrients it needs to grow, well, then life would stop. So in a way, it's the beginning of life, not yeah. the end of life. Yeah. So we are recycling ourselves, thanks to mushrooms. Organic matter on the planet, organic. all trees, yeah. plants, animals. We have to, there are no new atoms on the planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're using the same atoms. You could be, yeah. part of you could be Aristotle and who knows, right? And the good thing with uh, mushroom, it's, uh, we're not going to lack up mushroom one day. Like it's like very sustainable. Yeah. Well, they've yeah. survived the five master extinctions on the planet, which is more than the dinosaurs did. And, and perhaps more than us. They've been through it all. 
They may have also been the first organisms on the planet. The theory is they came here on a meteor, and mushrooms started to break down organic matter, which created soil. Without soil, no plants, no plants, no food. What's your favorite mushroom? I'd say lion's mane. It reminds、Why? me of lobster. Okay. It has, it has a very kind of texture like lobster and tastes like lobster. And when it's just sautéed on both sides, it's perfect. Wow! So it's taste and the shape, also、okay. everything—the visual aspects and the. The、taste. lion's mane. Well,、yeah. more than visual, it has these funny little tentacles. Yeah. But the way people cook them, you put them like in a big frying pan, and then you kind of squish it with another frying pan. You make like a patty out of it, then you flop it, and it's like a lobster steak. Okay. Wow. Okay. This is not a cooking show. <laughs> and then fantastic fungi. People thought maybe they're going to go watch a film about you know food or cooking. There's nothing in there about food or cooking. Yeah. True. Right. You like to eat mushrooms. Yeah. Of course, yeah, it's good for you. I mean, it's a really high source of protein. Yeah, but you're more interested in the healing aspects of、uh, all of it. Connected, yeah. But all of it. I mean, if you're eating lion's mane, then you're also helping your brain. Yeah. You know, it helps with neurological growth and new neurons. We all need new neurons, don't we? Psilocybin, the psychedelic compound found in certain mushrooms, has been gaining、uh, attention for its potential in mental health therapy. How does this、uh, fascinating process unfold, and what insights、uh, can we uncover about its impact on mental well-being? Well, there's 60 universities right now that are doing, you know, studies with psilocybin for dealing with primarily things like PTSD. But、yeah. there's already been like reports that have been super positive with, you know, trauma and alcohol, alcohol addiction. I think that we're this research, which started back in. Oh gosh, you know, in in the fifties and sixties was put on halt by a crazy guy named Richard Nixon, who was the president in our country, America, who made them illegal. They were never illegal before. It was a cutting edge of psychiatry, and that guy ended up, you know, having to be impeached, and you know, could have gone to jail. But think about the effect of the war on drugs. How many people have been incarcerated, especially people of color? Because of one crazy criminal called Richard Nixon, and the reason why he did it, he wanted to, you know, hurt the people who wouldn't vote for him—people of color, anti-war protesters, hippies, whatever you want to call it. Those were the people he was against, and then we declared a war on drugs. It's affected every country on the planet, because America then forced every other country to have crazy strict laws about drugs, and. Many people have died, suffered, and gone to jail because of one crazy guy named Richard Nixon. Don't you、um, think that when something we we don't know yet, maybe if it can be dangerous or not, like you forbid it? No.、Uh, I don't think so. That's why we need to have the science. I mean, look, <laughs> yeah, but when the science has not maybe at the time didn't do enough research or anything. It、um, was the cutting edge of、yeah. science until it got halted at places like Stanford and Harvard, and because the CIA. Told him to stop doing the research. That's when Timothy Leary, who was at Harvard, you know, kind of it escaped the lab and went into the public. And that's when it's dangerous because then you have all kinds of people doing it that maybe shouldn't be doing it. Maybe people with schizophrenia and other you know mental disorders. For me, I I, I think eventually is something that could benefit mankind. I mean, studies have shown that it creates more compassion. They've given it to prisoners. It lowers the violence. 
you become a kinder, more, you know, better human being. I think anyone's going on a date should ask their partner if they've done mushrooms <laughs> or not, you know. Really? Why? Maybe they become a better partner. You want to know if they're going to be a kind human being. So you really think like people who have uh, taken mushroom are a better human being, yeah? Potentially. Yeah. Not for everybody. Can't say that. But if you open connection that you didn't have before. That's... Yeah. If you're able to see, if you have a broader point of view, you're going to be a kinder person without mushrooms. Okay. If you've traveled, if you've studied, if you've learned many languages, many cultures, right? You're going to be a better human being person who's narrow-minded will be, you know, more difficult to live with, yeah. right? Yeah. So if mushrooms can take off that filter where you become egocentric and you are the center of the universe and you realize that the world doesn't revolve around you, that you feel a connection to everything, obviously you're going to be a much better compassionate human being. If someone is... Um interested in exploring the world of mushrooms uh, for their health or uh, well-being, uh, where should they begin and uh, what resources uh, can they access? I would suggest a good resource online is MAPS, M-A-P-S.org. Yeah. It's uh, a great resource to perhaps find where there are um, treatment centers. I mean, in America, for example, it's been, you know, it's available in Oregon, in Colorado, The legislature in California just passed it. Um, it's a movement that is happening uh, broadly, um, and I think it's going to be as fast as cannabis was. I would say in three years it'll be available throughout America. And what you got Portugal, it's been you know it's legal. I think Brazil, Costa Rica. Finally, I think um, the stupidity of these laws will fall by the wayside. Yeah, are there those some uh, safety things to know about mushrooms? Yeah, I would not use it recreationally. I don't, okay. I don't suggest doing that. I think it's sacred. You have to respect the indigenous cultures that have been doing it for thousands of years. It was always a bit of a rite of passage, an awareness, a spiritual experience. I personally would not take mushrooms and go to a rock concert. Okay, interesting. So I would not do that. Okay. I wouldn't know where to find the bathroom, number one. <laughs> and I don't want to be surrounded by the energy of a thousand people, you know, Um, I think it should be done in a careful, controlled, you know, ideally maybe with a trained guide who has had the right training. And there are guides out and therapists that are being trained at places like California Institute for Integral Studies and everywhere. There's actually a shortage now of trained therapists because we have all these clinics that are opening up offering treatments. Um, if it's done with respect, I think it's great. If it's recreational, I mean, that's your own choice. I personally would not do it recreationally. So I'm going to end with uh, the last question, the harvest of the day. What is, Louis, your favorite tool to actively transform our uh, society, ourselves, or the planet? I would say, without sounding, you know, self-serving, that looking at nature's imagery would be a way to do it. I mean, not everybody can go to these exotic locations. As I said earlier, not because of money, time, and health, but maybe because you would destroy them, you know? Yeah. You can't bring millions of people to a national park and not have a negative impact. But if people can watch the beauty and sacred energy that is there 
clearly. And it can not only give you an immersive experience, but an immersive experience that will change your life. Then you become a kinder individual. And therefore, the choices you make will benefit the planet. You don't have to tell people to recycle. They will naturally not want to throw away that piece of paper because they love trees. If you tell people to do something, like a to-do list, it doesn't work. If you fall in love with something, you will do everything you can to protect it. And so they can watch Louis Channel. Yes. Yeah, so that's your channel. Uh, how long have you been uh, launching? It's been out for about two months. We have about 30,000 registered subscribers. Wow. And the reason why I created the Louis Channel is I thought there ought to be a place that families, individuals, children can go that's 100% safe. No violence, no stories about conflict, no sexual or racial or you know, exploitation. And so I had enough content to launch it. So we have a carousel on gratitude, on okay. fungi, okay. Louis Land for Kids, a podcast about wonder and awe. And then I have conscious creators for other filmmakers to be able to present their work if it's the quality and the message fits what we're doing. For example, Howard Hall, the best underwater filmmaker in the world, has put his films on the Louis okay. Channel. And I know that looking at Hollywood entertainment is toxic. I know people have talked about video games, you know, creates violence and all of that. I'm just saying we need a new story. Almost every story that Hollywood puts out is based on conflict or violence. And that creates cortisol in your body. That creates inflammation. That will not only make you sick, it will shorten your lifespan. It took a long time for people to figure out that smoking was bad for you, right? The industry, like, you know, stalled out for 20 or 30 years. Well, we're not sure about the science that smoking creates lung cancer. Yeah. Fast food definitely can kill you as well. But again, there's a lot of pushback on that, you know, eating too much sugar and preservatives mm -hmm. and all the, that, that stuff. What you ingest in your body affects you, and visual imagery can affect your mental outlook. And if you put, by the time you're you know, out of high school, you've probably witnessed a thousand murders on television. How many murders would you have ever seen in real life? Yeah, yeah, and what has that done to you? Has it made you more numb? Why do we have all these shootings? Why is there an increase in, in murders, you know, at least in, in my country, in the United yeah, States? Yeah. People are used to watching it. It's very unnatural. And every Hollywood, like, you know, superhero movie, how many times were people killed, squashed, exploded, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or oh, crime, even crime series, they stress me at night. <laughs> yeah, crime series, yeah, yeah. lawyer shows, yeah. doctor shows. So we need a new story. And I think it's the feminine story that it has to be told. Because the feminine story is about rebirth, regeneration, cooperation, nurturing, letting life flourish. Okay. I think the male side of it is, you know, survival of the fittest, kill or be killed. Now, that is an element of nature, but only at the top of the food chain. Billions of interactions are happening in this moment right now at the microscopic level with pollinators. Billions of interactions are happening right now that regenerate life. If we don't have that, then there is no life for people at the top of the food chain.
Thank you so much, Louis. Okay. Thank you for being with us. And My pleasure. I can wait to watch your movie, but watch through on, uh, on Sunday. Great. Thanks for tuning in into this episode. I hope you enjoyed Louis Schwarzberg's insights on the benefits of immersing yourself in nature images and the role mushrooms and psilocybin can play. If you found it uh, valuable, please consider leaving us a positive review and following us on Instagram at Harvest Series. Don't forget, you can catch our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash Harvest Series. Our next episode features the incredible American Senegalese singer Mariam. We'll delve into her childhood, the challenges she faced on her journey to where she is today, and why it's all so worth it. Be sure to tune in for that. And now let's wrap things up with Mariam's beautiful track, Leave. Thanks again for joining us on Harvest Series. <laughs>